will, to the uh, book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 38, Ezekiel chapter 38. I uh, clipped out an article recently out of the Arizona Republic, and it was headlined, as I'll share a little bit from it in a bit, wiping Israel off the map. And so that caught my uh, attention, and I began to uh, ponder and meditate on that. Uh, because uh, actually, uh, Bible prophecy homes in on the very day in which you and I live and has something to say about this. Put together a sermon. Uh, we uh, created a very nice flyer, tried to advertise it in the Prescott Courier, but those decent people didn't want anything that would be controversial, and so uh, they wouldn't print the ad. And uh, they, don't, they don't have any problem printing the article uh, because they also printed uh, Courier wiping Israel off the map, but they didn't want our ad because it'll be controversial. You know, the Potter's House is very controversial. And, and, and God knows in our generation we can't have anything controversial. We have to all be on the same page. Uh, and uh, it's called Think Speak. I got triggered on this because as I began to ponder this and uh, began to put together some material, I realized that Bible prophecy is coming together in a very unusual way. And when we say, these are the words of the president of Iran, and this is not just rhetoric. This man means exactly what he's saying. And this is bringing a trigger to an unprecedented time in world history, and there's not just saber rattling. If you are up on the news at all, you know the events that uh, even, even Europe is alarmed. When you get Europe alarmed, well, you've got a real, something's really stirring. I tell you, uh, even Jacques Chirac is uh, upset. And so, uh, you know, when the French, uh, who uh, have never fought for anything, when they get alarmed, why, uh, you, you know they got trouble. So this is not just saber rattling, and I want to point out from prophecy this morning, because uh, what really we're dealing with is a specific focus on anti-Jew and anti-West, and especially America and Israel. And I want to read a passage of scripture to you and uh, elaborate on that. Ezekiel 38, verse 1, wiping Israel off the map. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against him. And say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks into your jaws, and lead you out with all your army, horses and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers uh, and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya are, are with them, all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer and all its troops, uh, the house of Togarma from the far north and all its troops. Many people are with you. Prepare yourself and be ready, you and all your companies that are gathered about you, and be a guard for them. After many days, you'll be visited in the latter years. You'll come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from many people, 
on the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. They were brought out of the nations, and now all of them dwell safely. You will ascend, coming like a storm, covering the land like a cloud, you and all your troops and many peoples with you. Thus says the Lord God. On that day it shall come to pass that thoughts will arise in your mind, and you will make an evil plan. You will say, I will go up against a land of unwalled villages. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates to take plunder and to take booty to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited and against the people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods who dwell in the midst of the land. Sheba, Dedan, the merchants of Tarshish and all their young lines will say to you, have you come to take a plunder? Have you gathered your army to take uh, booty, to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, to take a great plunder? Therefore, son of man, <clears throat> prophesy and say to Gog, thus says the Lord God, on that day when my people Israel dwell safely, will you not know it? Then you'll come from your place out of the far north. You and many people with you, all of them riding on horses, a great company and a great army, or mighty army. You'll come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. It'll be in the latter days that I'll bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I'm hallowed in you, O Gog, before their eyes. Thus says the Lord God, are you he of whom I have spoken in former days by my servants the prophets of Israel who prophesied for years in those days that I would bring you against them? And it will come to pass at the same time when God comes against the land of Israel, says the Lord God, that my fury will show in my face. And for my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath, there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel so that the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, the beasts of the field, all creeping things that creep on the earth, and all men who are on the face of the earth shall shake in my presence. The mountains shall be thrown down, the steep places shall fall, and every wall shall fall to the ground, for I'll call for a sword against Gog throughout all my mountains, says the Lord God. Every man's sword shall be against his brethren. I'll bring him to judgment, with pestilence and bloodshed, I'll rain down on him, on his troops and on the many people who are with him. Flooding rain, great hailstone, fire and brimstone. Thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I'll be known in the eyes of many nations. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. You need to read chapter 39 at your leisure this afternoon. But I want to talk about this statement, wiping Israel off the map. I want to focus your attention on this passage of Scripture. And first of all, I'd like to examine with you the threats that are being made. Iran is in the very forefront at the moment of the news. There isn't a day goes by, there's not a news program that is not there. All the websites are full of this. Articles come every day. And they're in a frantic program to gain a nuclear bomb. On the 10th of January of this year, they removed 52 seals that the International Atomic Energy Association had placed at Natanz, which is one of their nuclear factory sites. And on the 7th of February, uh, this article came out in the paper, said Iran tells atomic agency to remove cameras and seals, Vienna. 
Iran has told the International Atomic Energy Agency to remove surveillance cameras and agency seals from sites and nuclear equipment by the end of next week to response, in response to referral to the United Nations Security Council, the agency said Monday. Iran's demands came two days after the agency reported Tehran to the council over its disputed atomic program. So what we have now is we have a, a quite a unique, I don't ever remember even Saddam Hussein ever making noises like this man is making. You have the president of Iran, and he's actually a demon-possessed individual that feels that he has been brought to this point in time to bring Islam back to the forefront and to world power. Let me read you just a, a little bit out of this article, Wiping Israel Off the Map. It says, for Iran's president, the path to apocalyptic destiny, apocalyptic destiny is a nuclear arsenal. I quote, the skirmishes in the occupied land are part of a war of destiny. The outcome of hundreds of years of war will be defined in Palestinian land. As the imam said, Israel must be wiped off the map. This is the statement by the president. Given his apocalyptic rhetoric, we can understand why President Amend had, I believe it's pronounced, might want an arsenal of nuclear missiles. He'd be able to shake down a constant stream of rich European emissaries, threaten the Arab Gulf states to lower oil production, neutralize the influence of the United States in the region, and of course, destroy Israel. In all his crazed pronouncements, uh, he reflects an end of days view. History is coming to its grand finale under his aegis. Indeed, he magically entrances even his foreign audiences into stupor. Of his recent UN speech, he boasted, I felt that all of a sudden, the atmosphere changed there. And for 27 or 28 minutes, all the leaders uh, did not blink. Other uh, articles say that he was engulfed in a blue light, and uh, this has given him a uh, messianic complex and he says, if you move against us, we will shut down the Straits of Hormuz. This is where a large portion of the world's oil uh, comes out of that place off the coast of Iraq and, and Iran. So this is the most serious issue, actually, uh, of the generation in which you and I live. That's far more serious than uh, Saddam Hussein, because this man believes that he is on a divine mission. This man is a terrorist. He's one of the captors uh, of the 1974 uh, Iran hostage crisis. And when Jimmy Carter was, uh, uh, was president and, and bungled all that uh, operation. And uh, he clearly is on a path to obtain and to use uh, nuclear weapons. Uh, let me read to you, if you'll bear with me for a moment, as I read a couple of these articles, just excerpt from them. It says, if Iran has resumed its uranium enrichment program, it will take only a few months before it has a nuclear bomb. 
His confession is in line with what Israeli authorities have been warning for months, and maybe now Washington can start getting serious. Indeed, Israeli Prime Minister Ariel Sharon presented this very same assessment to President Bush uh, last April. I go on. In August, Iran unsealed its uranium uh, conversion facility in Isfahan, and uh, Israeli intelligence estimates uh, that Iran has produced 45 tons of uranium hexafluoride gas since June, enough for at least three or four nuclear weapons. So what we have then is a singular focus. This singular focus is not only a threat, it has been verbalized. I don't ever remember that being said in my lifetime. And uh, we ha need to have a heads up because we're dealing with a very serious issue. We're dealing with Iran. We're dealing with a mad dictator who was elected, but uh, uh, he's still a dictator. That's how their elections operate over there. Democracies, you kill off all your enemies. So uh, if I could quote for a moment, it says, if by the end of March 2006, the international community will have failed to halt Iran's nuclear weapons program. Diplomatic efforts would be pointless. This man says Iran has the upper hand in negotiations with the international community. It goes on, says, if the Muslim world had an atomic bomb, it would be in good shape after a nuclear exchange with Israel because a nuclear bomb would destroy the Jewish state, while Muslim countries, with their much larger population, would survive. To so the world without Zionism vowed that a wave of Palestinian attacks would destroy Israel. There is no doubt that the new wave in Palestine will soon wipe this disgraceful blot from the face of the Islamic world. He declared, anybody who recognizes Israel will burn in the fire of Islamic nation's fury. While any Islamic leader who recognizes the Zionist regime means he is acknowledging the surrender and defeat of the Islamic world. I go on. They're capable of firing cruise missiles, carrying nuclear weapons, the subs are able to remain, this is Israeli subs, remain submerged for weeks. This indicates that Israel may be preparing for the possibility of surviving a nuclear first strike and being able to respond in kind to such an attack. Israel already has three nuclear subs in the Persian Gulf, and they've just bought two more from Germany. Now, God gives us a heads up. This is where I want to call your attention, Ezekiel 38 and 18 and 19. Listen to these words. And it'll come to pass at the same time when God comes against the land of Israel, says the Lord God, that my fury will show in my face, uh, for in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath I've spoken, surely in that day there shall be a great earthquake uh, in the land uh, of Israel. Now behind what I've been reading about Iran is Russia. Russia is Gog, well-established in world history, and its allies and its Arab allies. They just are proposing now so that the world community cannot come against Iran with this enrichment. 
Russia now has said, we will enrich this for you because actually it's just for uh, peaceful uses for power and uh, we will do that for you. And so Russia is trying to furnish a cover so that uh, uh, Iran, which is a client nation, uh, can go ahead and manufacture and go ahead with their program. They'll give them time. In my lifetime, Russia has never kept a single promise or agreement it has ever made. Back to Korea, back to Vietnam, they were back of those. Uh, and moving forward a little bit uh, to the Israeli history, we have the Yom Kippur War, 19, uh, uh, 60, uh, 1973. They were uh, involved in 1948. They were involved in 1967. They were involved in 1973. Actually, this was a Soviet-Russian-sponsored Yom Kippur War. When that war began, Israel was caught off guard, and uh, the uh, uh, three nations attacked Israel on the same day, uh, Jordan, Egypt, and Syria. And uh, when that came down, President Nixon of the United States of America put all 23, we had 24, one was not operating, all 23 C-141 Starlifter, huge cargo planes, uh, put them on a 24-hour uh, turnaround to Israel, flying in tanks, flying in equipment, flying in munitions. Uh, and in a matter of a few days, Israel had turned the tide and were within 12 miles of Damascus uh, and within 60 miles of Cairo. When Russia saw that, she then began to uh, flex her muscles. She began to say, uh, they're going to come in. And this was when uh, President Nixon uh, put the United States forces on red alert and said, if you do come in, we go to war. And he put the United States forces on the only time that red alert has ever been in the United States uh, and stopped Russia in its tracks. Uh, and uh, in the ensuing time frame, they signed a treaty and uh, began to have a ceasefire. 1982, Israel became irritated with the constant incursions on the Lebanese border. And so in a, uh, an attempt to establish a buffer zone, they invaded into the uh, southern area of uh, Lebanon to, to do that. And, uh, and when they did that, they discovered uh, huge tunnels that were there in the southern part of, uh, of uh, Lebanon. As they discovered those uh, huge tunnels, uh, they knew that there's only two countries that had the equipment to dig that. One was the United States, and they certainly had not dug them. The other was Soviet Russia, and uh, they saw a plot clearly unfolded. There were supplies that were hidden in those tunnels, and uh, an invasion had already been planned. This was Soviet equipment. There was enough uh, armaments and enough uh, 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 all kinds of equipment for a million men. This was hidden in those tunnels. It took Israel seven months, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, constant hauling of equipment as they stripped those tunnels out and hauled them back to Israel to give you some idea of the massive armaments that were hid there. And the book that documents that is 1982, Magog Cancelled. Russia had planned an invasion using Yasser Arafat, using Syria, using their, their client states, and they were clearly back of this as they are in back of what we're dealing with today, and the prophecy goes and makes this very 
clear. There were uh, food rations that were in those tunnels uh, that were only had a, a life of six months, and so they knew. And that's why they said 1982 Magog cancel because they had preempted, uh, uh, unbeknownst to them, they had preempted uh, an invasion assault uh, from southern Lebanon. Now I want to go to uh, the prophetic dimension with you for a moment because something's going to trigger what we're really dealing with in prophecy. Something is going to come to pass. We can only speculate at the moment. Either there's going to be a preemptive strike on Iran, which is being talked about openly. Uh, you know, hardly a day goes by. I just was down uh, uh, preaching in Chandler, and I picked up the Newsweek magazine from the, the counter there and uh, thumbed through the articles there, and they're, they're contemplating how Israel and uh, what she can do in a preemptive strike. This is being talked about openly, and there either will be a preemptive strike that Israel makes uh, uh, upon, uh, 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 upon Iran to preempt this, uh, uh, or uh, something else may, may come to pass while I talk about. But uh, let me give you another quote. This is from former House Speaker Newt Gingrich. Uh, and he says, a prospective 2008 uh, presidential candidate is what he's going to be. He argues that the United States may need to preemptively invade Iran within the next three years to thwart that country's development of a nuclear weapon if efforts to inspire a democratic revolution there do not succeed. Well, you're, you're, I, how many have heard that before about Iraq? Uh, the people are going to overthrow them. They, they hate to, well, you're, you're, smoking, you're smoking marijuana if you believe that. Or the possibility is that uh, Israel may make a preemptive strike against Syria, Egypt, and Jordan, uh, which uh, have already threatened uh, uh, to invade Israel, or uh, both of these uh, may come to pass. And if you've ever read the book, Next Three Wars in Israel, uh, it'll do that. Or it's possible that both of these may take place simultaneously. But something's going to trigger what we're talking about in Ezekiel 38 and 39. There's going to be some compulsive events, and uh, it's, we can easily see and easily speculate uh, that these could uh, transpire. Listen to verse 4. God says, now listen to me carefully, because what we're seeing is a fantastic uh, revelation of God's uh, program and what he's going to do. Verse 4, God says, I'm going to put hooks in your jaws. It's like an animal that you're trying to control. Many of you from agriculture, you know what this is all about. And he said, I'm going to put hooks in your jaws. I'm going to pull you down because I've got a date with you. Verse 4. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 38, 10 and 11, he says, Thus says the Lord God, On that day it shall come to pass that thoughts will arise in your mind and you make an evil plan. You'll say, I'll go up against the land of unwalled villages. I'll go in a peaceful, to a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of them, dwelling without walls uh, and having neither bars uh, nor gates. You see, Israel has a very peculiar place uh, in prophecy in our Bible. In this book, it says, Israel is my land. God says that. In this book, uh, the book uh, God says, uh, the Jews are my people. And in this book, it says that the Jews are my people, Jerusalem is my city, and Israel is my land. Now, this is not, uh, this is not loose talk. 
This is God. How many of you believe in God this morning? See, God means that God is God. That means he's not just an individual somewhere that uh, is uh, kind of contemplating. God speaks, uh, and as God speaks, he says, the Jews are my people. Israel is my land, and Jerusalem is my city. Now, that changes all the equation that we're going to consider because it is a peculiar place in prophecy. As we're sitting here this morning, Israel has been regathered to the land. This is one of the great miracles of all time. Jeremiah the prophet spoke out in Jeremiah 32, 7 and 8 says, Behold, I will gather them out of all the countries where I've driven them to my, uh, in my anger, in my fury, and in my great wrath. I'll bring them back to this place, uh, and I will cause them to dwell safely. They will be my people, and I will be their God. One of the great miracles of all time has been that, uh, that phenomenal, mysterious uh, regathering of Jews back to the land uh, of Israel. Ezekiel 37, 21, Ezekiel prophesied, said, Then say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Surely I'll take the children of Israel from among the nations, wherever they have gone, and will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land. Ezekiel, as a matter of fact, prophesied the very day that Israel would become a nation in a book called The Signature of God. Grant Jeffries documents and explains that 2,520 years would be the very day, May 14, 1948, when this would come to pass. Israel would again become a nation, the only nation in history that has passed into antiquity and has begun regathered and is in their own nation today. One of the great miracles of all time. When we were there in this last tour, we had a guide. His name was Mark Sugarman on our bus. Mark Sugarman was born in Massachusetts, if I'm not mistaken, the same town that Mark Hurley was born in. He immigrated to Israel at the age of 18 because of this strange pull of God regathering his people from around the world. I've been in one, uh, one tour to Israel where there was an English guide. He came back to Israel from England. He speaks very proper English. I was also there when uh, there was an Argentinian Jew had been back. He was one of our guides. And so this strange phenomena has happened in our lifetime that God has regathered his people back to the land. And this is one of the greatest miracles of all time is God regathering the Jews from around the world. And exactly on the day that Ezekiel prophesied, the nation of Israel was reborn, May 14, 1948. I well remember the headlines, had no idea what they meant. I'm a young man, 18 years old, down on Cortez Street by the old Innsminger's uh, drugstore, and the headlines are out, and the people are talking about it. I have the slightest clue what it meant, uh, but I remember the day that that was, uh, that was God gathering his people back to the land uh, in preparation for the final chapters. Now, let me ask you this question this morning. If God has gathered these people back to the land, 
if God has undertaken this fantastic regathering, this reestablishing, this restoring, and this sustaining up till now, do you think he's going to stand by and see an anti-God Russia with a Muslim coalition come and destroy that? If you do, then you are a bit dense. Think about this for a moment. Here we are as the days go by. You know, why, why does the Prescott Courier not want to press? They don't want any controversy. There might be a Muslim around that would be upset because we put this ad in there. Now, that would be too bad, wouldn't it? The world is, uh, is shaking and quivering because here these people are. If you've ever been to a Muslim country, I want to tell you, I don't care if you call they're peaceful, you're lying through your teeth. These are the most confused people that I've ever seen in my life. I've landed in Damascus, Syria. I've been in Cairo, Egypt. I've been in Amman, Jordan. I've been in those countries. And, and when it says, every man's hand shall be against him, and, every, uh, and he is, his hand shall be against every man, that prophecy is being fulfilled before our eyes. And yet these hordes uh, that have risen up uh, because of the oil dollars that are in their uh, coffers now have been emboldened, uh, and now they're beginning to shape uh, the policy policy of the world, and they clearly say, we're going to destroy Israel, and if we can, we'll destroy America. So this brings me then to the consequences that you and I are going to have to consider. Let's make an intelligent analysis this morning, if we could. Mankind has never in the history of the world created a weapon that he did not use. Are you still with me? Say, well, the United Nations. Well, you know what they call the United Nations in Israel? They call it the United Nothing. Mankind has never created a weapon that he did not use. And so as we begin to ponder this, we're dealing with major serious issues, not now isolated to some little place that we can control this and we can keep this cordoned off. Jacques Chirac uh, made the quote recently that any uh, terrorist that is trained and harbored by any nation that makes an attack upon France, he will nuke that nation. <laughs> wow, Jacques, you finally found your manhood. <laughs> but think about that now. Here's the French that don't, and they never do anything. And he's saying, we're going to use this. If we find any terrorist that attacks French soil, they've already attacked uh, Spain, they've already attacked Great Britain, they've already attacked the United States of America. And here he is saying, we got nukes. And if we find any nation that sponsors a terrorist uh, and they attack France, we're going to nuke uh, that nation. Now think about that because this is in the atmosphere of where we are this morning uh, and this is a conflict not like any other conflict uh, that we have ever been involved in. The entire Muslim world has one intention. There may be this, the, the stray ones that don't, but the genuine Muslim world has one intention and that's to destroy the West. They view the West as Christian. We don't. We see people who profess to be Christian, and they're the worst sinners on earth. But as far as they're concerned, 
It doesn't make any difference what you are. England, Germany, uh, France, all of this, America, Australia, uh, and Canada. This is the West. These are Christians. And they are dedicated to, and their agenda is, uh, and they know that they're at war with us, uh, and they intend to destroy us, uh, because the Muslim view of all of the West uh, is that it is Christian, and that we support and back the Jews. Now, Note the timing here with me, just for a moment as we draw this down to a conclusion. In the last days, it says specifically, Ezekiel 38, verse 8 uh, and uh, uh, verse 16, uses very specific languages. There's not just any time that this can happen. It says, this is going to be in the last days. Verse 8, after many days, you will be visited. He's talking to Soviet Russia. When this verse was spoken, Russia would have been nothing but uh, savages uh, running around in skins. I mean, this is a fantastic prophecy, and yet it's well documented. These are the people that they are. After many days, you'll be visited. In the latter years, you'll come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from, this, uh, uh, gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate, they were brought out of the nations, and now all of them dwell safely. Verse 16, you come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. It will be in the latter days, and I'll bring you against my land so that the nations, listen to this, so that the nations may know me when I am hallowed in you, O Gog, before their eyes. It's not the battle of Armageddon. This is Ezekiel 38. And Ezekiel 39, the battle of Armageddon, is a totally different battle. Uh, this is the battle uh, of Ezekiel 38 and 39. Ezekiel 38, 7 says, Prepare yourself, is speaking to Russia, and be ready, you and all your companies that are gathered about you, and be a guard or a armorer of them. In Grant Jeffrey's book, uh, which is Armageddon, uh, uh, I forget exactly the, the title of it all. He gives a listing of the nations from Ezekiel 38, 1 through 6. And listen to these. These are the ancient nations, now the modern nations. Gog and Magog, Russia. Meshach and Tubal, Moscow and Tobolsk. Persia, Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan. Ethiopia, Ethiopia and Sudan. Libya, Libya. Ashkenaz, uh, Austria, Germany, Gomer, Eastern Europe, Tugarma, Southeastern Europe, many nations with you, various other nations allied with Russia. We know that Russia is very anxious to insert herself into the Arab world. They have the oil riches. They have the ability to control the world. If they can control uh, the, the uh, uh, Arab nations, if they can control that. And so she has been armoring them. Most of their equipment comes from Soviet Russia for many, many years. But the timing of this uh, is in the last days. Now note, for instance, uh, that God himself... Uh, says, I'm going to solve the Muslim problem. So you can't fail to note that. I know he has, a, he has an appointment with Russia. He says, I'm, I'm bringing you down. You're the one that's been furnishing the weapons. You've been giving the reinforcement. I'm bringing you down. I've got a date with you down here. But God himself is going to solve the Muslim problem. And it says now that there's only going to be a diplomatic protest 
from the west. Listen to verse 13. Sheba Dedan, the merchants of Tarshish and all their young lions will say to you, have you come to take plunder? Have you gathered your army to take booty, to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, to take great plunder? Or in other words, uh, here it's uh, most prophecy uh, commentators, Europe, uh, uh, as far as uh, Western Europe, uh, this is uh, Spain, this is uh, France, this is uh, England, the young lions, Canada, Australia, the United States of America, and most commentators say, and all that's going to happen is a, a diplomatic protest. Now think about that for a moment, because this must uh, present us with two scenarios. Either there will be a nuclear exchange. It was Netanyahu, I believe, was being uh, interviewed by uh, John Hagee in a new book that he's written about Jerusalem uh, and uh, prophecy. And uh, Netanyahu uh, says that Soviet Russia has been helping Iran develop long-range missiles. And uh, in this uh, Newsweek uh, magazine that I just read, it gave a, a circle over the earth of how far these can go. They can reach even to Australia. Uh, they can reach uh, into Europe. And, uh, and they've been helping them develop these long-range missiles uh, with which they intend to put nuclear tips upon. And uh, he says uh, this statement of London... Jerusalem and New York City were hit with long-range missile, it would immediately bring a financial collapse of the whole world. So we have two scenarios, because what we're looking at is the United States uh, and the, uh, uh, among the young lions, uh, only making a di diplomatic uh, uh, protest. Uh, here's uh, uh, Netanyahu, if I could read this to you. It says, I asked Netanyahu, when Iran was in development, uh, where Iran was in the development of nuclear weapons, he candidly sub, uh, admitted that during his administration, Israeli intelligence had informed him, the United, uh, had informed the United States intelligence community that Iran was working on intermediate and long-range nuclear missiles that would be capable of hitting London, New York City, and Jerusalem. Netanyahu continued with a shocking revelation that the United States intelligence community was very skeptical of the Israeli report. Later, Israeli intelligence provided photographs and photographic proof that Russian scientists who made nuclear weapons for the USSR during the Cold War and were now unemployed were helping Iran achieve its dream of developing nuclear weapons. I responded in amazement. Can anyone possibly imagine the massive global economic and political uh, chaos uh, if these long-range nuclear missiles simultaneously hit New York City and Wall Street, London, and Jerusalem? In one hour, worldwide economic collapse uh, could be accomplished uh, and Western civilization would be crushed. So that's one scenario. The other scenario is, of course, the bankruptcy of the United States of America, where we could not respond. I just, what I hear yesterday, that we have uh, poured a trillion dollars into Iraq, uh, more than, or as much as, we put 11 years in the Vietnam War. And so we're dealing with a financial uh, possibility. At any rate, either one of the scenarios, I'll leave you to your own speculation, because we don't know. At any rate, 
we do know one thing according to the prophecy. We can see these things beginning to make up. We can see Russia beginning to come in. We can see the Arab nations beginning to coalesce with Russia. We know that the times of the Gentiles clearly are coming to a close. You cannot miss that. The Bible says that there is a time frame in God's clock. That time frame is a time frame when no longer the church is the focus of God's activity upon planet earth, but the curtain closes on the times of the Gentile. That's for you and I. The curtain closes and the, the fullness of the Gentiles, uh, as spoken of in Romans uh, 9 and 11, comes to a close uh, and that time frame ends and God closes the curtain and then shifts the curtain now. It goes back to and shifts to uh, the Jew. Listen to these words from the prophet. I will be sanctified in the eyes of the world. What does that mean? That means that uh, if you read the entire text, I don't have time to elaborate on all. It means that it's going to be such an apparent act of God that the entire world is going to see that God crushed Russia and the Muslim nations. Uh, and at that time, of course, the Jew will be free to build the temple and uh, set up for the Antichrist. But for you and I, the significance is the rapture probably will have taken place when that all comes to pass. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen? Thank God. The trumpet, we sing, sing, sing a chorus. I can almost hear the trumpet sound. I want to tell you, when you read this, and it's been a long time since I really focused in on prophecy. It's been a while. And when you really read this and understand that what we're reading, when this scenario and the trigger is already being cocked, when this happens, God's getting ready to shift the curtain back to the Jew. And that means that the church age is over, the rapture has taken place, uh, and the opportunity for the church uh, is gone. Say, so what conclusion are you coming to? The conclusion I'm coming to, if you're going to get saved, you better get saved now. If you're going to backslide, don't backslide now. Can you say amen? When I uh, read these things and when I contemplate and the Holy Spirit bears witness and I, I'm beginning to get these articles, they're just coming in a, in a steady stream, I realize uh, that this trigger is cocked already and Jesus could come at any moment. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. Wiping Israel off the map? <laughs> Not a chance. God says, it's my land, it's my people. And Jerusalem is my city. So we're here this morning in this place and the Holy Spirit would tug at hearts. There are people here this morning. You're not ready to meet God. You're not ready for eternity. See, these things are going to affect us. There's no way that we can escape the conclusion and the consequences and the ramifications of what the Bible portrays. You're here this morning. You're not right with God. I want to tell you that God has a plan for all mankind, and that plan is salvation of souls. Don't wait for some other thing to happen, because the scene's going to change one of these days. Suddenly, the Bible says, uh, the trump of God will sound. And the dead in Christ will rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet them in the air, and so shall we be with the Lord. That happens, and you're not saved. It's going to be 
time passed for you and horror and desolation and disaster is going to be your lot. I wonder while every head is bowed, every eye is closed, God has prepared a wonderful plan for you to be washed in the blood, made clean by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, and God reaches out to you. Your spirit's bearing witness. What I've been preaching this morning is the Word of God. What I've been preaching is the reality of that being played out on the world stage, and you need to get right with God. I wonder, while I'm pausing for a moment, how many people say, Pastor, I'm not right with God, but I really do need to get right. And you would respond to the Holy Spirit, say, Pastor, I need your prayer before you close. You'd lift your hand right up where you are and say, I need to get right with God. I'm not right. I realize what you're saying is, is, is reality. I realize that we're living in times that are perilous. You slip your hand up and say, I need your prayer, Pastor. I want to get right with God. I'm not right. I'm backslidden. I've never uh, been saved, but I want to be right with God because I see these things coming on the earth. Would you slip your hand up right there where you are? I see a hand here. How many more? Just slip your hand up and say, I'm not right with God. I want to get right. Don't let this time pass you by. Anyone else want to join these? Okay. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. If you're ever going to get your loved ones saved, you need to get them saved now. If you're ever going to do anything for God, you need to do it now. If you're ever going to be a testimony for God, you need to do it now. Because the trigger is cocked in the world in which we live. There are people here this morning, you uh, kind of take your Christianity a little dose at a time, and, and uh, you're involved in many other things. You do attend, you're not backslidden. But you're lukewarm. You no longer have that fire burning. Uh, I want to tell you, you need to get on fire for God this morning. Uh, and God's dealing with you because he says, this is surely coming to pass. Uh, and I'm going to demonstrate that. But you see, when that happens, uh, very probably your opportunity is going to be gone. We're going to stand together. You lifted your hand. I want you to come to the altar and find a place to pray. And we're going to stand together. We're going to sing uh, that chorus. Uh, um, uh, uh, he paid a debt he did not owe. These altars are open. God's dealing with hearts. You need to begin to get your heart right with God. If you brought a neighbor, a friend with you unsaved, or a visitor, turn to them and invite them to come and pray with you this morning. He paid a debt he did not owe. Let's uh, lay hold of God and mean business this morning. He paid a debt. Wonderful, wonderful love of God. I want to encourage you to live for God, encourage you to put your priorities in things of eternity. We live in a, in a generation in materialism and the fast pace that not very careful, it begins to swallow up, begins to divert your attention, it begins to uh, dull your appetite for spiritual things. Uh, I'll tell you, this is no time to slack up. This is time to get busy. Can you say amen? God is at work. I want to encourage you to come back tonight. Uh, sermon, you'll hear the word of God. Let's bow our hearts, shall we, in the presence of the Lord. David Sanchez asks God's blessing and uh, dismissal. Greet one another and make sure every visitor is made to feel welcome tonight. Minister to each other. Yes. Yes, amen. Thank God, thank God.